Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is The HR Mentor. I'm very honored and grateful to be recording this episode for you on the traditional, unceded, and ancestral territories of the Tecumlips to Shikwetmik people within Shikwetmikulu. Well, my friends, we are here. The end of season three of The HR Mentor. I am very proud of this season because this was not the easiest year for me to be creative. There is a lot going on, as there is for so many of us, and it seemed necessary for me to prioritize my rest and let myself off the hook a little bit. I wouldn't say I was completely successful in this, but I did better than I have in previous years, and for me, that's a win. 2022 started off in a really ugly way with the war in Ukraine, and the last nine months have been very stressful to say the least. My family in Ukraine has been moving about, trying to stay safe and now stay warm, but they're incredible people who will not give up. And my hope now is that we don't give up on them. So please do what you can to support humanitarian efforts share posts on your social media, and if you aren't sure what to do, check out episode 46 of this podcast, Stand with Ukraine, for ways that you can contribute. In happier news, uh, my oldest child graduated from high school this year. Uh, That was also seemed to be a big undertaking, and uh, she started university in the fall. And at the start of the new semester, I also applied for tenure at my university. So it was a lot more work than I expected. Not that I wasn't fairly warned. I guess I just didn't heed the warning. So that took up a lot of time and energy and uh, hasn't been a small undertaking. This year, I also traveled to a couple of case writing conferences. And of course, with that is the need to write, edit, and revise those cases. So it's been a busy time professionally and personally. On top of that, uh, we launched the HR Mentor Fan Club membership site this year and released our first standalone product, the HR Interview Question Guide. And many of you have been downloading it, so that makes me really happy. Both of these offers are an incredible support to your HR career, your personal and professional development, as well as your HR job search. So check them out today using the links in the show notes and don't hesitate to let me know if you have any questions. I know it was a busy year for all my listeners as well. I want to thank you for tuning in, for your feedback about the show and all the love and support on social media. This show is and always will be about and for you. So it means a lot to hear that it's helping and also to hear your ideas of what you would like me to share in the future. If you would like to share some of your positive vibes, you can also always leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts with a comment. You can leave a rating on Spotify and leave a comment or review on Podbean. Regardless of how you express your feelings, know that it's also putting this podcast in front of new listeners who might benefit from it. So please don't be shy. Now, on this season finale, I have five wonderful new questions from listeners that I'm going to answer. 
And uh, it was really great that there was a mix of guidance for students, for new grads, and for those of you who are earlier in your career, but maybe have a little bit of experience. I'm really excited for you to hear these. Uh, So let's get started. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast, the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately a fulfilling HR career. Okay, the first few questions are for the HR students or recent grads out there. As a professor of HR, I get asked these questions a lot. The first one is, how do you gain specific HR skills as a student? Now, let's define which HR skills you should focus on building at university. There are hundreds of different skills that are needed to be successful in the HR profession, and they vary depending on your chosen career path, which we'll get to in another question. HR is a very diverse profession with lots of options when it comes to choosing a direction for your career, which of course most of us believe is one of the best aspects of this profession. But what it also means is that trying to identify a few specific skills to focus on during your time at university may be challenging because you likely don't quite know what type of HR role you will pursue and different skills will be needed for different HR specialties or functions. For example, the skills needed to be successful in a recruitment role are different than those required for a role in HR analytics or compensation and benefits. And very few HR students or recent grads know exactly which area of HR they wanna focus on for the rest of their career, or even at the start of their career. I know I certainly didn't. When I was finishing my undergraduate degree, I was thinking about law school, which of course did not happen. So you can't usually pinpoint one career path to focus your skill development on. So instead, what I recommend you focus on developing during university or right after you graduate are HR competencies. Why competencies? Well, HR competencies are more broadly defined behaviors that will apply to a variety of HR roles or roles in other professions. And most importantly, most national or local HR associations will have some kind of competency framework that you can reference to determine your level of competence and also to identify specific knowledge or skills you might want to obtain in order to more fully develop those competencies. So in Canada, our national CPHR competency framework identifies HR-specific competencies and general competencies. The specific competencies identify behaviors related to focused areas of HR, such as total rewards, employee and labor relations, workforce planning and mobility, etc. The general competencies include behaviors focused on leading projects, business acumen, working digitally, and so on. It's these general competencies that I recommend you focus on if you're still in university. If you review the competency model, 
each general competency is broken down into a further set of smaller competencies or abilities, and then a list of knowledge and skills that you can develop to build that competency. And that's where I would focus. And I'll give you an example. If you look up personal agility, a few of the skills and knowledge that I believe can be developed, at least in part while attending university, are number one, demonstrate flexibility when faced with uncertainty or ambiguity. Hello, university is full of uncertainty or ambiguity. The second one, show open-mindedness to proposed or implemented changes. Lots of opportunities to do that. And the third one, ask relevant and constructive questions to better grasp elements of a complex situation. This is useful in many HR roles, but it's also something you can develop at university. So let's look at that last one. Where could you practice and develop a skill for asking relevant and constructive questions? Yes, in your classes. Rather than remaining silent in class when a topic or idea is complex, ask relevant and constructive questions to better understand the concept. Believe it or not, this is a form of skill development. When you graduate and move into a professional role, you will find many situations where you need to ask questions to clarify things. If you're an HR assistant and your supervisor or manager walks to your desk and asks you to do something and you don't quite understand, you'll need to ask relevant and constructive questions so that you can deliver on what they expect. If an employee phones or emails and asks you to help them with something, you may need to ask some questions to clarify what they actually need. And if you're an HR generalist or in recruiting or training and development, managers are going to give you situations that are difficult or challenging. And you're going to have to ask a lot of questions to clarify what's going on and what they need in order for you to help them. Asking clarifying questions is a very important skill, and you can build it at university. If you have a group project, you can be the one to ask the team clarifying questions to see what parts of the project people would like to work on, to assess what their unique talents are so that you can kind of maximize the resources you have to develop a great project. This is also an asking question skill. You can follow this approach for a lot of the general competencies in the framework. You can download the competency guide, look for each of these skills, and ask yourself, is there a way I can develop this at university or within my non-HR role that I have right now, if you are working? This process can be helpful when you're preparing your resume or for an interview in an HR role as well. Now, in the HRCA program, the Career Accelerator, we spend a bit of time at the beginning where you assess your knowledge, skills, and accomplishments against the CPHR framework so that you're crystal clear on what you offer a potential employer. And it also helps you focus your HR job search. Now, if you're listening to this and you're not in Canada, don't worry. Check out your national or local HR association. Uh, SHRM in the U.S. has their own competency framework and a guide that you can approach in the very same way. 
I'll put links to both the CPHR, the Canadian Framework, and the SHRM, the American Framework, in the show notes for this episode. Now, if you live somewhere where you don't have a professional designation or a competency model, you're probably safe to use either the Canadian or the US-based one, at least for general competencies, because that's going to give you an idea of the types of skills, abilities, and behaviors that would serve you well in an HR role. Now, All this is not to say that you can't take the same approach for some of the specific technical competencies that are in the model. If you're interested in total rewards, check out the related competencies and see if there are skills you can develop through your coursework, your current job, or maybe even in a volunteer capacity. Going beyond speaking up in class or leading group projects, there are some other ways you can also build skills at university. For starters, I do recommend that if you have choices in the courses that you take in your program, that you choose them strategically. Most HR programs require a well-rounded selection of upper-level HR-specific courses, as well as other business courses. But even with your electives, it's wise to look at the competency framework and see what you can take that will help you. For example, project skills are important. So if you have a project management course at your university or college and it works with your schedule, you might want to take that. There are also lots of projects in HR and leading projects is one of the general competencies in the Canadian framework. If you have the opportunity to take a selected topics course, do that because they often allow you to pursue a project you're interested in. And you may get to work with an organization to develop it, which allows you to work on building many relevant skills, as well as your knowledge on a particular topic of interest. I also recommend that you seek courses that have an experiential component, if you have a way of determining that. You can certainly talk to other students, talk to academic advisors, or reach out to specific profs who teach those courses and ask them questions about the types of assignments or the method of course delivery. You could also volunteer for student clubs and take on leadership roles. There are so many ways to build skills through student clubs. Our student club at TRU organizes a case competition, they have workshops, they develop their own kind of leadership path and succession path. They offer training. There's a number of different activities that you can get involved with in a student club that can help you build skills that will be relevant to your HR job or HR career path. You could also volunteer for your local HR association. They often host events. They have an advisory board that would give you some experience with being on a board. Um, You can learn about governance models, you can learn about event planning, you can learn about social media marketing, you can also learn about HR and build your network. It's a great opportunity to build skills. And of course, through all of these, you are communicating and building your communication skills, which are so critical. Another way to build HR specific skills or even more general skills and competencies is to join the co-op program at your university. Co-op is a wonderful way for you to gain relevant experience 
build your skills and gain knowledge before you graduate. I know it takes longer. I know it also costs a little bit more to do it this way. But if you can, it is an incredible experience. And a lot of the co-op students I know walked into professional jobs when they finished university. So there's tremendous value in that. A final suggestion in terms of skill building while you're at university is to volunteer to be a peer tutor. Peer tutoring is not only an opportunity for you to give back, for you to share the knowledge that you're building on a particular subject, but also it teaches you how to guide, coach, and support other people on their learning journey. And this is a critical aspect of any HR role. You are constantly guiding, advising, and supporting people. So peer tutoring um, and other volunteer opportunities where you get to work with students at your university are great opportunities to build your HR skills before you graduate. Okay, I hope that's helpful. Check out the links in the show notes for the competency uh, frameworks and um, Again, if you're not in Canada or the U.S., check out your country's uh, HR association or the World Association and see what kind of um, information you can find there. Now, question two uh, is another one for the students, um, but it can also be for those of you that are early in your career. So the question is, as a student, which areas of HR should I focus on for my career? Now, I love this question um, because I think it's one of the most common ones I get from soon-to-graduate HR students or new professionals. Experienced professionals like me love to promote HR as a career path full of variety, as I said in the previous question. And that's one of the key benefits, right? Because there's really a path for just about anyone who likes to make a contribution to kind of the people aspects in the business or organization. Now, that said, this variety can also be the most confusing part of starting an HR career because there are so many different areas or specialties you could pursue. Now, for those of you who may be feeling a little bit of stress around this question, the first thing I want to tell you is that you have nothing to worry about if you don't figure this out before you graduate or even in the first few years of your career. Most new graduates work in more generalized roles when they start, often HR assistant or coordinator roles, and this is exactly what you want. It gives you a chance to learn how an HR department operates, what some of the key functions are that the HR department performs, and it will expose you to some of the specialized areas of HR. My advice when you're looking for a first HR role is to look for opportunities like this in organizations that might have an HR department so that you do get that type of exposure and you learn about the various aspects of HR from your more experienced team members. So when I say have an HR department, I mean you're applying to a place where there's more than one HR person. That said, if you wanna get an idea of what areas of HR would be the best fit for you before you graduate, there are still a few things you can do to identify some options. Number one, I recommend you get really clear on your values and your interests. 
Your values will help you decide which types of roles and work environments will be a good fit for you, as well as which functional areas might be a better option. For example, if you really value independence and self-sufficiency, being in an individual contributor role might be a better fit for you. This might cause you to pursue an HR career path in recruitment where you have your own kind of book of jobs to fill and you work away at it with your client group. A good starting point for a career like this would be to pursue opportunities in a recruitment agency. There are often bonus structures as well as there are often bonus structures as well, which independent self-sufficient folks might be really attracted to. You could also pair up these values with an interest in data and analytics. This might lead you to a role in employee benefits or compensation analysis or workforce analytics, where you often work more independently and focus on numbers rather than collaborating with others. If you're a connections kind of person like me, none of these will be appealing. You will likely be more drawn to a generalist role where you have to build relationships with managers, learn to diagnose their problems or issues, help them find solutions, and deal with union reps and employees. This can be very draining for some people, but if you're interested in solving complex problems without divine solutions, and you enjoy that kind of messy world of employee relations, this could be a perfect fit for you. The key is to really understand yourself before you narrow down your search or your path. And you can do this by assessing your values, your interests and strengths, or you can pursue more generalist roles in organizations that will give you exposure to various HR functions. And through that experience, you can assess what's a good fit for you or what you are interested in or enjoy doing. In episode 52, Why Job Targets Matter and How to Identify Them, I stress the importance of being focused in your job search. But I also link you to a number of other episodes that will help you narrow down your niche. You can find a link to episode 52 in the show notes of this episode. And in the show notes for episode 52, you'll find links to a few others that can help you, including how to identify your values and prepare for your HR job search. Both of these are going to help you get started with this next step. In the HR Career Accelerator program, we also spend a fair bit of time getting to know you and the type of work that would suit you through, um, through a process of identifying your job search target. We use the StrengthsFinder assessment tool to help you get crystal clear on roles that would be a good match for you. We talk about your values and we also get you to think back over the course of your studies and other work experience to really hone in on things you value in a job and a work experience so that you can be really laser focused on the roles you're applying for. Now, if you sign up for the newsletter using the link in the show notes, you'll get notified when program registration opens. Okay, the third question. What kind of certifications can we obtain to go further in an HR career or get a great job after graduation? Now, this question follows the previous one very nicely. 
This question was submitted by more than one listener, which makes me really happy because it shows that you understand that a successful HR career requires continuous learning and development. Now, if you're still pursuing an undergraduate degree, you're less likely to find the time and career focus to pursue some specific designations or certifications. However, I know some of you are very keen, so I don't want to say that you shouldn't think about this yet. I will, however, suggest that your first focus be on doing well in your HR courses and making connections with other HR professionals, because that will serve you well when seeking your first HR role. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a professor and I want my students focused on my classes, even though... I would appreciate that, but it really does have a career benefit. I would also recommend that you connect with your local HR association and take steps to pursue your professional designation. In Canada, through our CPHR associations, there's an accreditation process with many post-secondary HR programs, and these allow you to obtain a waiver to the knowledge exam for the designation if you score a certain grade level in your HR courses. One of the main reasons why it's really important to do well. Being successful in this pursuit fulfills some of the requirements of the full CPHR designation. So it's worth your time to register with the association while you're still a student and do well in your HR courses. In British Columbia, students can also get discount codes from their... um, what do you call them, student ambassadors to the association. And so you get this phenomenal rate on a student membership that gives you access to everything that professionals like myself have uh, just at a, well, it is beyond a fraction of the price. (laughs) It's quite a big difference. So it's really important that you get connected when you're a student and, of course, do well in those courses so that you don't have to take that knowledge exam. The national CPHR designation is the most recognized for HR professionals in Canada. So I think it's also a good idea to inform yourself about the path to obtain that early on in your career. And many organizations and HR departments will support you with uh, professional development courses to help you be successful in getting your designation. If you're not in Canada, check with your local association and see what the options are. This designation tells employers that you have a level of HR knowledge and experience that they can trust. It also shows them that you are bound by a set of professional ethics, which can give them more confidence in pursuing you as a candidate. It's definitely worth your time and not something you need to wait to pursue after graduation or to at least get started on. Now, if you've decided you want to specialize in a particular area of HR, there are many different certifications you can pursue. If you choose compensation and benefits, there's the CEBS program in Canada, C-E-B-S, and the World of Work program, which is a global program. These are sort of the standards for uh, people that want to pursue total rewards careers. If you want to develop a career in workforce planning and analytics, there are specific strategic workforce planning designations and certification courses you can take. Uh, I obtained mine through the Human Capital Institute in the U.S., but there are others that you can choose from. If you're going to work in recruitment or employee development, becoming certified to administer MBTI, Berkman, or other career and team building assessments can be helpful. 
right? And there's there's new ones popping up all the time. My advice on that is to do your research, check the reliability and validity of the assessments, uh, talk to other people that are using them for either career development or recruitment, um, and see which certifications you think might be helpful to your career. Some of them are very expensive. Some of them require traveling to specific locations. Um, I'm not sure that might have changed through the pandemic where some of these companies where typically you'd have to travel to a physical location to take the certification. They may have relaxed those restrictions over the last few years. So consider what you might like to take. Um, these can be helpful also if you end up in a consulting role where you can administer the assessments, do debriefs for employees or leaders, and also run workshops and, and team building and development sessions. Now, if you want to learn more about equity, diversity, and inclusion, there are also options for certifications you can take to deepen your knowledge. For this, I would remind you of the importance of obtaining these certifications from individuals who have lived experience. I recommend you check out Sharon Ngueso's Quake Lab Learning Lab or the Canadian Centre for Diversity and Inclusion. You can find links to both of those in the show notes, but we know EDI is an important priority in many organizations. There are a limited number of people who are experienced in this area of work. Again, generally speaking, organizations want to hire people from equity-deserving groups. Uh, so if that's not you, it doesn't mean you don't want to increase your knowledge. It can still be beneficial. It can help you with hiring experts and, and also implementing programs in your workplace. Now, if you're going to pursue a generalist role and work in employee relations, certifications or training in conflict resolution, mediation skills, and how to conduct workplace investigations will be very beneficial for you. I also recommend any training or certifications on having difficult conversations. These types of conversations will come up in all areas of HR. So being well-versed in how to have difficult or courageous conversations will definitely be helpful for you. And on the more general side as well, I was just talking to my classes about this the other day, and that is to take courses that will hone your writing skills. Early in my career, I took a business and professional writing course, and it has helped me immensely in all my HR roles and continues to serve me as a professor. Generalist training and certifications are very good early on in your career, as they may give you opportunities to experience different aspects of HR that will help you specialize if and when you decide to. For example, if you build up your conflict resolution, communication, and investigation skills and love the work that that leads you to, you may decide to pursue a certification in labor relations or mediation. If you're interested in leading change, there are also a number of certifications in that area. Early on in your career building skills, you could look at understanding design thinking, project management, and communication skills. And those would all lead you to a potential career in change leadership or change management. You see how that works? Start general and then get more specific. If you're still not sure where to start, but you're itching to do some more training or learning, I hear you. I'm definitely addicted to learning myself. 
Well, if you don't have a big budget, check out some of the inexpensive or free offerings on Coursera or LinkedIn Learning or any other MOOC type platform. You might not be able to go too deep on many topics without paying a more substantial amount, but you will get a taste of what might interest you. You can also check out your local HR association to see what types of professional development, roundtables, and online learning offerings they have. Of course, I would be remiss not to add that podcasts can also give you insight and a taste of many HR subjects. There are lots of HR podcasts on specific areas of HR and general ones that cover specific topics and have guests that are experts in these areas. You might want to check out the HR Happy Hour, the Recruiting Daily Podcast, the HR Social Half Hour, and Work Life with Adam Grant. And of course, there's many others. All you need to do is search HR on your favorite podcast platform. There is so much to learn and so little time. Speaking of time, we better get moving because I have two more questions to answer today. All right, question four. If you have experienced moving from a job with high responsibility to one with lower responsibility, how do you deal with the feelings associated with that? Like feeling you're of lesser value, even though that's not true. Well, I always say careers are not linear, nor do they always progress on an upward trajectory for everyone. I'm sure you've heard the saying that sometimes you have to go backwards to go forwards. A paradox for sure, but there can be some truth in it from a career standpoint. The first thing I want to say about this is that it is perfectly normal in the span of a career, especially early on, to move from a higher level position, say a manager, to what might be considered a lower level position, say an advisor or a generalist. The reason this might happen is to pursue a different organization that can offer more long-term benefits or job security. It could be to pursue a specific type of HR role or gain experience in a specific functional area. Or it could even be to physically relocate for a whole variety of reasons. Honestly, in my career, I have experienced more than one of these. I left my role at the credit union to pursue a generalist role that ended up turning into a specialized role at the city of Abbotsford because I wanted to get some experience with labor relations. I left my specialized leadership role in compensation and benefits to become an HR generalist at TRU because I wanted to raise my family outside of the lower mainland and I had family and friends close by. It was not only a huge pay cut for me, but I also moved into what was at the time a very administrative HR generalist type role. It was a tough move for me, but it was a good decision because that decision led me to other opportunities that did offer me more income and fabulous work experiences and connections. So, dear listener, this is not necessarily a step back for you because I'm guessing you made this decision based on a long-term plan that this could help lead you to. So try to remember that. In the meantime, while you are in that role, my advice is to become as good as possible at the job and seek out opportunities to stretch yourself in that role once you've mastered it. Are there ways to improve systems or recommend improvements? 
If so, offer to plan and implement them. If there are positions you can progress to, try to connect with the people in those roles. Learn about them. And when the time is right, make it known to whoever you report to that you're interested in more. Of course, you want to make sure that you have mastered the role you accepted first and that you're accomplishing what your role requires. Now, if the job you're doing now is dead easy for you and you have been turned down for ways to improve things or show leadership to coworkers, just take this as an opportunity to breathe and engage in some professional development. If your organization offers it, take courses or sign up for a certification. Put your hand up for extra tasks that can help you stand out and get engaged with the HR community in your area. Maybe the role you dream of in this organization won't come up for a while, and maybe you won't stay there forever. So always be working on building up your capabilities and connections so that you are ready to move if you need or want to. Most importantly, be mindful of your mindset. If you tell yourself that this is a step backwards, it will feel like that. But you made the decision to join that organization and take that role for a reason. So take time to appreciate all the benefits that you are getting from it. Appreciating what you already have is often the first requirement to letting something new in. And I have a feeling that when the time is right, you will be doing just that. Okay, the fifth and final question. How can you grow in an organization where your manager does not support opportunities for growth and development? Well, this is a big one to close on. Now, you're listening to a podcast about HR career development, so I know you're keen on professional growth and development. But believe it or not, not all HR professionals are. Now, I believe this listener was referring to support for their development as an employee in the HR department. So that's the perspective I'm going to approach my answer from. Now, if you're interested in advancing or pursuing opportunities for career development and your leader is not interested in helping or supporting you, the first thing I encourage you to do is find out why. Is this just a factor of what they believe in terms of your role? Is it because they feel you haven't proven yourself yet to the organization? Do they not have the budget for it? Or is it that they just don't see the value to the organization of investing in you? These are important questions because they determine how you can approach the situation. I know when you're early in your career, asking questions like this can be intimidating and difficult, but so is staying stagnant or in a role you don't enjoy. So it's kind of one of those pick your hard scenarios. Now I can't go into a response for every single scenario, but I will say there is a big difference in the approach if, you, if it's simply budgetary issues for the department versus the manager not really believing that you've proved yourself. If there isn't a budget for training and development and that's what you're focused on, there's not a lot you can do about that unless you can find a way to save the money so they can fund your development. If it's about a budget for time, then maybe you can negotiate something with them about making up time so that you can take personal hours or days for training or development activities. If it's about you not having yet proved yourself, I would be asking for clarity on what that manager would like to see from you or how much time is typically accrued before professional development investments are made in employees. 
Sometimes this might be a probationary period and sometimes it means longer. It really depends on your organization. I would also encourage you, if you haven't already, to review any policies that might support your desire for development. If your manager doesn't see value in investing in you or they feel like you should just put your head down and do your job, that's a completely different story. To me, that kind of just sounds like a challenge. (laughs) Much like the advice in the previous question, I would first make sure that you are knocking it out of the park in your current role and expectations. Because without that, what I suggest next definitely won't work. But if you are and you see an opportunity to expand your role or take on more, then I would suggest you assess all the benefits to your department and your leader in letting you do this. You have to frame this as a what's in it for them argument. I personally would consider if there are potential cost savings, time savings or efficiencies in your plan, or maybe it would allow the department to take on something they've always wanted to do but couldn't because they didn't have the expertise or capacity. Now, would it require your leader to be involved? If so, how much time would be involved? If it requires a lot of investment from them, they might not be as keen. You also have to be mindful of any kind of contractual obligations that could get in the way, especially if you're in a unionized workplace and some of the employees in your department are in unionized roles. So just be aware of that. But if you can address how you can still do your job or do it better and take on more that would allow you to grow and benefit the leader in the department, then I would write that up in a one-page document, meet with my leader, and propose it. They may not say yes, but they will see that you are tenacious, keen, and that you understand what they need and what drives them. And if they don't say yes today, they might say yes in the future. You never know. If they're hesitant to invest, the bottom line is you have to give them, well, a bottom line. What is the benefit of giving your time, money, or access to resources in order to develop and grow? I would also recommend that while you're working there, you take time to build a strong network in whatever role you're in. And Potentially seek advice from people that have worked there longer than you. They might have insight into how to approach your manager or information about what the history of offering development opportunities is in the organization or the department. Finally, none of that might work, unfortunately. And if growth and development are important to you in your career, which I'm sure they are, you wouldn't be asking, then it may be time to move on. But take your time finding a new place to land that will offer you the growth and development opportunities you long for. It's obviously an important value for you, as it should be. Do your research before you join an organization. Ask questions about development in the interview. And don't accept a role that doesn't offer you something along those lines. We are living in a job seeker's job market right now. And development is important to many employees, so it's not an unreasonable expectation. We also know the competencies and knowledge required to be successful in an HR role are ever-changing and advancing, so development is important. Make sure that you prioritize what you feel you need in order to have a successful HR career. And as I said in the answer to the last question, don't be afraid to take a step backwards to go forwards. 
sometimes that is the very best way to be happy. I want to give a huge shout out to everyone who sent me a question for this episode. It really means the world to me that you listen to the show and you care about our community. We are really all on this journey together. So please keep the feedback, questions, and ideas coming. You know that I won't turn you down. If you're loving the HR Mentor and you would like to express that love, please don't be shy. Hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and leave a comment and five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or Spotify. Not only will I read it on a future show, but it also helps put this podcast in front of other HR professionals who might benefit from it. And if you're not a member of the HR Mentor Fan Club, sign up today and get access to amazing extras and resources. The Fan Club is a virtual space where you can get access to bonus episodes of the podcast, resources, and free downloads, as well as a chance to access special discounts on future programs. And remember, you'll also get instant access to the HR interview question guide, or you can purchase it as a standalone item using the link in the show notes. You can find everything at www.thehrmentor.podbean.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in 2023 when I kick off the new year with a brand new intention and a slate of fun guests. Stay tuned, stay safe, and be well. Take care. Bye for now.